whom Sarah bare, it's kind of, it almost feels like it's repetitive. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived. Verse 3, and Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare him, Isaac. It almost sounds like God saying, look, I did what I told you I was going to do. And so God gave them a son in their old age. And in verse 5, it says, and Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. So here God gives them Isaac, the heir of the promise, the one who's going to carry on uh, the family, the one who God is going to bless, the one who God's going to give the promised land to. And, and this is exciting. I mean, Sarah has been barren. She's been childless. And now God is finally blessed in spite of what seemed to be impossible circumstances. God blesses and gives them a child. What an exciting thing. What an exciting thing. But then you go over to chapter 22 and verse number one. And God kind of switches gears on Sarah and Abraham and Sarah here. And in chapter 22, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get, that, get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Offer your son, your only son, as a burnt offering? What a, what a potentially ridiculous, crazy, outlandish request. Yet this is what God asks of Abraham. And I want to look through this tonight, and I want to finish up with a verse in the Old Testament. And, and I, think, I think it's just interesting Abraham's commitment to God here in Genesis chapter 22. And I just want to share with you something that I called an, an expectation of the impossible. An expectation of the impossible. In the New Testament, you will find a word, and that word is hope. And the New Testament talks about how as Christians we have hope. But that hope in the New Testament is not a hope that is a, I hope it happens. Rather, that hope in the New Testament, when you see that word, it is an ex expectation. It is not a word that, that carries with it the idea that it might not happen, but then it also might happen. It's, it doesn't work that way in the New Testament. The word hope means it is going to happen, and I can't wait until it does. In our human minds, when we think of hope, we say, oh, I hope this works out. But there's always that other side of hope where it might not work out. But when it comes to hope with God, that other side doesn't exist. What we hope for, God has promised, and it is guaranteed. It will happen. And here, Abraham had an expectation for the impossible. And, and I, I, hope I, can, I hope you understand what I mean by the time we're done. But in our Christian lives, we need to live with an expectation for God to do the impossible. We need to live looking for God to do things in our lives. I think a lot of times, even when we pray, we pray and we say, Lord, this is my request. But sometimes there's that other side of it where we doubt. 
and we worry, well, what, what if God doesn't do it? Or what if it doesn't work out? Or what if it does fall through? Or, you know, what if God doesn't answer? And, and we have that other side. And ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to our God, we have to be able to trust him and expect great things from him. We have to get to the point where we expect him to do something. I can't help but think about the 81% and the $199,000 that we owe on this building. And it's the beginning of June. I would say that God has done some impossible things so far this year. And it's been awesome to watch. But I think many times, unfortunately, that takes us by surprise when God does something. And I think we should have an expectation for it rather than to be taken by surprise. So I want to share some things with you from the life of Abraham. Notice in verse 1 again, I want you to think about his availability. It says, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Now let me say this, that tempt is not tempting to sin. The Bible tells us, I believe in the book of James, that God tempteth no man with sin. God doesn't tempt us to sin. This is a testing, this is a trying, this is, let's see what kind of character or quality Abraham is made from, or what does he possess? So here he tries, he tests Abraham to see what he's made of, and, it, and notice Abraham's response. And said unto him, Abraham, and he, Abraham, said, Behold, here I am. Three amazing words. Here I am. Do you realize God is looking for some people that will say, Here I am? You realize God isn't looking for people to do, to, to do something amazing or to try and do something amazing. God just wants people who are available. God wants you and God wants me to be available. When God calls our name and when God shows us something in his word and God works in our heart and God begins to lean on us a little bit and try to get us to do something, God just wants, to say, wants us to say, here I am. You know, you can go over to Exodus chapter 3 and there Moses said, here I am. You can go to 1 Samuel chapter 3, and there Samuel hears a voice. Remember the story? He runs into Eli, and he says, what does he say? Here I am. And Eli says, I didn't call you. So he goes back to bed, and he hears a voice again. He runs back into Eli. And he says, you called me again. He said, no, I didn't. Go back to bed. He comes in again, and finally Eli, the Bible says, he perceives that it's the Lord. Then he tells Samuel to call out to tell the Lord, here am I, here I am. And there Samuel was available to what God had for him. And listen, God just wants us to be available. You know, we get so caught up in, a, in the details. We get so caught up in what might happen or what might not happen. And God just wants us to be available. For whatever it is. For whatever it is. We were talking about people helping with VBS before church tonight. And, and it, it is neat how different people enjoy doing different things. And, you know, a lot of people, you, you ask them, hey, you want to help with VBS? And their first mind thought is, you want me to teach a class? Their first thought is, oh, you want me to lead the music? No, <laughs> you don't have to do that. <laughs> but God just wants us to be available. And we have people that are more than content to be behind the scenes and cut up cardboard and paint cardboard and do decorations and uh, get crafts ready and just do whatever needs to be done. And you know what? Those people are just available. 
And that's what God wants from us. God wants us to be available. First, Abraham was available. In verse 2, notice what happens. God has a request. It says in verse 2, or he has a command. He says, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him therefore a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. The son that God just gave them, the heir, the, the one that was promised to them, the one that Abraham waited until he was 100 years old for God to finally give him, God wants him to go offer him as a sacrifice. But get this, it's not just a sacrifice. It is a burnt sacrifice. The word burnt sacrifice means to ascend. If you were to go to the book of Leviticus chapter 1, there you will find God begins to give the instructions in the law for the burnt offering. And I believe it's in verse 5. It talks about the, the, the uh, smoke and the smell from that burnt offering being a sweet and pleasant smell in the nostrils of God. But there's something you need to remember about a burnt offering. A burnt offering was literally burnt to ash. It was fully consumed. A burnt offering was not just an offering that was lit on fire then put out. A burnt offering was a fire or an offering that was lit on fire and it was literally burned to nothing. It was completely consumed. Here, God calls for Abraham to take his only son, the son he loves, it says, the one who is the heir to the promise, and offer him as a complete and utter burnt sacrifice consumed to nothing. That's what God calls for Abraham to do. I don't know about you, but that seems impossible to me. That seems, it seems crazy. Why? Why? But that's the request. That's what God calls him to do. So notice verse 3. So Abraham kind of kicks some tires and drags his feet and takes his time. Nope. Verse 3, it says, And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood of the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. Notice Abraham gets to it, gets to it. You ever drug your feet on something? You ever had something to do and it, you just didn't want to do it? Yeah, we all have. We've all had things like that where we just didn't want to do it. So we put it off, we procrastinate, we wait, we make up excuses. Abraham doesn't do that. And man, this is a mountain of a request from God. Yet it says Abraham rises up early. I don't know, maybe he couldn't sleep. I don't know if I could sleep. God asked you to do something like this. I don't know if I would have slept. Maybe he's up and the wheels are turning, but maybe the wheels are turning. Man, what all do we need? What do we need to take? What do we need to put together? But it says he rises up early and he gets everything ready to go. Verse 4, and then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And verse 5, it says, and Abraham said unto his young men, abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and come again to you. 
Notice the little glimpse of faith that Abraham had. Then on the th- or verse 5, And Abraham said unto the young man, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again unto you. <laughs> what an awesome thing. Here, Abraham's faith. We'll come back. And we'll, we'll look at that a little bit more at the end. But here we just get a little glimpse of Moses' faith of him and uh, Isaac coming back again. Verse, uh, set, verse 6, And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and, and laid it on Isaac his son. That makes sense. I mean, Abra- I mean, Isaac's what? 16, 20, I don't know, he's mid to late teens. He's in that age. Mo- or Abraham's about 120 or so. I would have put the wood on my son's back too. I'd let him carry it. I'd let him carry it. We also have a picture here of Jesus. Here we have the picture of Jesus. In in verse 2, Isaac was the only son, and he was the one whom he loved. God gave us his only son, the son whom he loved. God also placed the cross, the wood, on his back for the offering, and he carried that up the mountain. Here we have a picture of Jesus. But here, uh, he puts the wood on the, on, upon Isaac, his son. And it says, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. Verse 7 says, and Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father. Here's another interesting thought. And said, my father, and he said, Abraham responds to his son, here am I. Just love the availability of his father. Isaac calls out to his dad, and his dad says, here am I. We have a heavenly father who we can call out to, and he responds to us, here am I. But honestly, I find it kind of convicting, what kind of a father am I? Do you ever have your kids bug you? Do they ever bug you? Do your kids ever come in, dad, and it's like, what? I'm busy. I'm, I'm in something. I'm doing something. What, whatever it is. You ever respond to your kids that way? I find that convicting. Here, Abraham responds to his son. Here am I, my son. And notice Isaac's question. He said, behold, the fire. So Notice his son's not stupid. Isaac's a halfway intelligent human being. And he's putting two and two together and he's not getting four. And so they're walking up this mountain. Isaac's carrying the wood, and Mo, uh, Abraham has the, the knife and the fire, and they're, ma- they're making their way up the hill. And Isaac's calculating, he says in verse, he v- says verse 7, he says, Dad, we have the fire. We have the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Notice Abraham's response in verse 8, And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Here we have another picture of God providing the lamb. Here we have another picture of God providing the lamb. You can go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses uh, 
uh, 18 through 20. If you go to Revelation chapter 13 and verse number 8, and there you would see that Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Before time ever began, God planned to provide a lamb that would be his only son to pay for your sins and to pay for my sins. But here, I also find it interesting that here he says that God would provide himself a lamb. God will provide the lamb we need for our sacrifice. Notice once again the faith of Abraham. God's going to provide. There's going to be an alternative. We'll talk a little bit more about that at the end. I want you to think about something, though. God has always provided the lamb. God has always provided the lamb. Even in the Old Testament law, God's the one who allowed the perfect lamb to be born that could be sacrificed, that met the requirements. God is the one who provided the lamb. God is the one who provided the lamb back in Genesis at the beginning when uh, Adam and Eve sinned. God has always provided the lamb. Man has never provided the lamb. God has always made the way possible. God has always sought to forgive, to redeem. God has always provided a way to make things right. And one day he would, that would be taken care of for eternity in his son. But here, God is going to provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Verse 9, it says, And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son. Think about the availability of Isaac. Do you not think that it's possible that a 16 to 20 year, year old young man could overpower his old man dad, his 120 year old dad? Do you not think that Isaac could have resisted and said, what, what do you think you're doing? What's going on? But we don't see Isaac resist. Here we see Abraham tie his hands. He binds him and he places him onto the altar. Here Isaac is available. Here Isaac is willing. Well, it says in verse 9, and laid him on the, uh, laid him on the altar upon the wood. I can't imagine what it would be like to be a fly on the wall in this situation, just to be there witnessing this. Between Abraham's willingness to actually sacrifice his son and his son's willingness to be bound and placed on that altar and to give his life because that's what God has asked of him. Verse 10, it says, And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Ladies and gentlemen, Abraham was ready to carry this out. He was ready to do exactly what God had asked him to do. But notice verse 11, And the angel of the Lord called on him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. Once again, Abraham's availability. Listen, we, you, cannot, you cannot stress enough the importance of being available to God. 
here in the beginning of this chapter, Abraham's availability puts him in the position to answer God and to do what God wants him to do. And now here in verse number 11, his availability to God, his open ear saves his son. You ever have your kids not hear you? How well does that go? Um, we kind of have a rule in our home that listening and hearing is your responsibility. That's your responsibility. When I call you, I didn't hear you is not a good answer. Especially when I've called you two or three times and then you come upstairs, oh, I didn't hear you. Yeah, that ain't fixing this problem. And listen, what happens if Abraham says, oh, I didn't hear you with that knife? Ladies and gentlemen, our availability to God matters. It matters. We need to be available to God. We need to have open ears so we can hear him. I can't help but think of Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Ladies and gentlemen, this book is important. Because it will renew, it will transform the way we think. But it will also allow us to recognize what is the good, the perfect and acceptable will of God. It will open up our ears so we can hear God. And our ears need to be open to what God has to say to us. Our ears need to be open to what God wants from us and what he has for us. We need to have attentive ears to God. And here Abraham stops. The angel of the Lord calls out to him and he says, here am I. And he stops. And in verse 12 it says, and he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know. You remember in verse 1, it said that God was tempting Abraham. He was trying him. He was seeing what he was made of. I believe if you were to find, if you were to go to the New Testament and you were to look up the word test or to try, you will find that it is the word litmus test. It's kind of like the idea, have you, ever, have you ever had a pool and you had like those little strips that you would stick in the water and then, you know, whatever color, it would tell you your pH balance and how much chlorine you need to add or whatever you need to put, how much, whatever chemicals. You would test the water. That's that word. It's to test, to see what it's made of. What is it lacking or what does it have? What does it, what does it not have? That's that word to test. So God was testing Abraham. And here it says in verse 12, for now I know. What does God know about Abraham? Notice what it says. That thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. What did God reveal about Abraham? That he feared God. That there wasn't anything that mattered more to Abraham than pleasing God. He didn't care if he pleased men. He didn't care if he pleased the people around him or whatever was going on. He wanted to please God. And ladies and gentlemen, that should be our goal. We hear it from this pulpit often. The praise of one. For the glory of one. 
Our heart's desire should be to please God in everything we do. That should be our number one desire. What does God think? What does God want? That should be our number one goal, to please God. And that was Abraham's goal. He feared God. So in verse 13, it says, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his thorns. Here God provides the lamb. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it upon, offered it up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Verse 14, And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. I find the, the name of the Lord here, Jehovah Jireh. It, here it is, the Lord will provide. And it's also the Lord sees. What was seen in the mountain that day? I would say that Abraham's availability was seen. I would, say, I would say that Abraham's fear of God was seen. But also God's provision was seen. God provided. God provided. Here, Abraham does something that seems impossible. And how could Abraham... Starting in verse 1, from just being available to God and going through this entire situation, picking up, up that knife and being willing to plunge it into the chest of his son. How? How could he do that? Take your Bibles, go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Go to verse 17. Hebrews eleven seventeen. How could Abraham do this? Verse 17. By faith. By faith. How did Abraham, how was Abraham willing to offer his only son, the son whom he loved, the son God promised him and finally gave to him at 100 years old? How could he willingly put him on an altar and be ready to plunge that knife into his chest? By faith. By faith in what? God's promise. Notice what happens. Verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son. Here, Abraham, the one who received the promise, finally, notice this, offered. Offered. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe that in Genesis 22, verse 2, when God asked Abraham to offer Isaac as a burnt offering, Isaac, in the heart and mind of Abraham, was already dead. He was already dead. He wasn't waiting to get to the mountain and bind him and put him on the altar and pick up that knife and then trying to deal with it. No, I believe in verse 2, Isaac was dead. It was already done. It was over. It was over. It was already done. He offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Here's the promise. In Isaac shall thy seed be called. He was the, the heir. He was the one to receive this promise. <laughs> Verse 19 is what's awesome. 
Look at verse 19. According that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Ladies and gentlemen, Abraham believed the promise of God to the point that God told me my son Isaac was going to be the heir of the promise. God has now asked something impossible of me. He wants me to kill this heir, my only son. But if I kill him, God's going to have to raise him back up alive. God's going to have to bring him back to life because he's the heir. Isaac could not die and stay dead. If Isaac stays dead, God fails to keep his promise. And Abraham was put all of his chips on God's promise. Abraham put everything he had on God's promise. Even to the point, listen, a burnt offering, and this is the thing that blows my mind, even as a burnt offering, if Isaac is completely consumed, God's going to put all that back together and Isaac's going to walk again. Why? Because God promised. Because God promised. And so here in Genesis chapter 22, Abraham looks at the promise of God. Remember before when God said he was going to do something, he laughed. Now Abraham says, "Uh uh-uh. Okay, God, I'm putting it all on your promise. This is what you said. You said Isaac is the heir. He's the one that's going to receive the promise. So if I have to kill my only son, you're going to have to do something impossible. You're going to have to do something amazing. And so Abraham takes that three-day journey, and Abraham and his son walk up that mountain, and Abraham puts that altar together, and he puts the wood, and he binds his son, and he grabs the knife, and he's ready to do it. Why? Because God's going to have to do something impossible. Ladies and gentlemen, God wants you and me to put everything on God. He wants us to put all we got on God. He doesn't want us to have plan B and plan C. No, he wants us to have plan A, and that plan is God. And that's where he wants us to put everything. And ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to the promises of God and when it comes to what God wants for our lives, we can put everything on God. And we can believe that when God asks us to do something and we put everything on God, that he's going to have to do something impossible. And that is why I entitled this An Expectation for the Impossible. When God calls us to do something and when God asks us to do something, ladies and gentlemen, we can trust him, we can believe, and we can step out by faith, and we can act, and we can expect God to do the impossible. Expect God to do the impossible. Expect God to work in your life. Don't have a plan A or a plan B, a plan C. Let God be the plan. That's where Abraham was. It was all on God. God was going to have to do something. And God did do something. And you know what? God will act in your life. God will act in my life. God will work if we'll step out by faith and let him. Have an expectation for the impossible. 
Expect God to do something great, and he will. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love and your word. Thank you for the life of Abraham and his example. And Lord, I just pray you'd help all of us to to walk by faith. And Lord, help us just to put everything on you. May you be our plan. And Lord, help us to look, to expect, to anticipate you doing things in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed.